Hi everyone and welcome to My Movie Story. I'm your host Brian and really excited today to have a longtime good friend of mine on the program. Not just a movie lover but a movie maker uh, which you're going to hear about. Uh, so my guest today is young Marcus. He's a youth worker. He's a freelance graphic designer from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, Marcus loves to watch movies as you can probably guess and play video games, listen to music and he's also an awesome drum player too. You can usually find him moshing at hardcore shows, uh, working on some of his creative projects, or just chilling out on the couch with his border colleague named Bruno. Uh, you can find Marcus on Instagram at Marcus Creates. So that's Marcus and Creates with a K. Uh, you can see that on the screen now as well. And he designs movie posters for independent filmmakers. So check out some of his work. It's really awesome. Uh, he also does some alternative posters for the films he loves as well, uh, which is awesome. He's also on YouTube at Marcus Creates as well. Uh, where you can watch his latest short film, The Thing Next Door. I watched it. Scary as hell. Definitely check it out. <laughs> Very effective. Um, and, yeah, really great to have you here, Marcus. Welcome to My Movie Story. How you doing? Thanks, Brian. Yeah, doing well. How are you going? Oh, fantastic, mate. Yeah, really. been really looking forward to our chat because, obviously, you and I, uh, we go back yeah. a bit and we've uh, had many conversations about movies and what we've seen, what we're planning to see, and... Uh, it's always a, a great conversation. So um, now I do have to ask, you know, there's a lot going on in that bio of yours, mate. And uh, I know our listeners are probably keen to hear about uh, this short film you made, uh, The Thing Next Door. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so I've been making short films since, oh, since I was a little kid, really. And over lockdown, I had all this extra time, as did everyone. And I just got this idea for this short horror film inspired by being trapped in one location, looking out the window and thinking, what if, what, what is happening outside? And I just came up with this story that was half inspired by a nightmare, half inspired by what I was currently experiencing and just started making this short horror film with zero budget and just the materials that I had available to me. So awesome. I'm really proud of how it came out and people can check it out on YouTube if you're curious. Absolutely. You know, I, I recommend it, guys. And if you've been wanting to make a short film and you're thinking, well, how can I do this with no budget, just where I am and what I've got? This film is like a like a little masterclass in that. I was really impressed with the film and and what a great time to use that time we all had during lockdown, you know, do something creative and, and get that out of your system. And yeah, so awesome. Definitely worth a watch. And those who are new to My Movie Story, welcome to the podcast, whether you're watching the video or listening online. And what our show is all about is just talking to everyday movie lovers about three very special movies. Um, and those categories are their favourite all-time movie, which can be a hard choice. We've obviously all got more than one, but there's usually one that really stands out. Uh, the second category uh, is a film that um, changed you or changed your perspective on life and the world. So something that had a really, you know, profound impact on you. And then also uh, a film that you think everyone has to watch at least once in their lifetime, right? So all the classic masterpieces, or not necessarily classics or even masterpieces, but just a film that deals with a really important subject or is just really original or made in a way that you've never seen before and it's like an experience in itself. So really keen to hear what your uh, three films are, uh, Marcus. And we might start off with... 
the film that changed you or your perspective on life and, and the world. Um, so I have a bit of an inkling that what kind of film it might be, given your creative abilities. But, yeah, would you like to tell us what this film is and maybe just describe it a bit for someone who's probably never seen it? Yeah, so racking my brain to think of something that changed my view or changed me as a person is really difficult. I love to watch films for pure enjoyment, for transformative experiences. And the film that I landed on isn't a masterpiece or a cinematic classic in any means whatsoever, but it had a really profound impact on me because of the time that I watched it. So the film that I chose was Be Kind Rewind from 2008, directed by Michael Gondry and starring Jack Black and Moss Def. This video don't work. Yours looks like this. Look, 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 all it takes is blank. It's the TV, Mike. Show me how, why is it doing that? Does that happen when you do it? Uh-oh. What is wrong with you? Why is it doing that when you do that? You're magnetized. You erased these tapes. It's you. You gotta find new tapes. I got a better idea. Follow me. When you're walking down the street yeah. and you see a little ghost, what, what you gonna do about Ghostbusters? What, what, what is that? That's the Ghostbusters theme song. No. I'm pretty sure it is. There's something strange. Stay where you are. It's great choice. Basically, for those people that don't know, it's this comedy that is about these two people that work in a video store back when they were a thing. And basically, Jack Black walks in, he's like electrocuted, has all this like magnetism, and wipes all the tapes in the store. <laughs> so basically, yeah, right. they get this bright idea to re-record all the films and basically do them DIY. So recreating <laughs> Ghostbusters, uh, Rush Hour, all these like classic films, but with zero, zero budget, no materials, no actors, just like scrounging what they can. Yep. And this like really guerrilla filmmaking DIY approach was something I'd never really seen before. I've always grown up watching the behind the scenes of films and seeing how they came together, seeing everything kind of like from a very high level, like Hollywood standard, million dollar budget. Yep, and then yep. something that was actually achievable. You can get DIY materials and just make something yourself. That was really inspiring to me as a young kid. Absolutely. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that came out in around 2007, 2008. Was it? 2008, yeah. Yeah, so can I ask how young you would have been then, Marcus? <laughs> yeah, I know. So I'm a baby. Um, so <laughs> I, I would have been 11 years old. Wow. 11 years old. Yeah, and, and can you remember at the time, did you were you familiar with the movies that they were, you know, recreating in the film? Yeah, most yeah. of them you're familiar yeah, with, yeah. So my parents were pretty relaxed with what they let me watch. So <laughs> they, just, they had like a mountain of movies like vhs tapes dvds imagine smaug from the hobbit but instead of gold, gold coins it's just like movies <laughs> my so basically i just had access to all the classics all different kinds of genre films so i've been watching a lot of films already and yep. then seeing them recreated with things that i had laying around the house yep. it was just like oh my god like the the chains of creativity were just broken like there's no barrier to yep. being able to create films 
Yeah. And that was hugely inspiring. Fantastic. Yeah. And and uh, obviously the the film you talked about before you made The Thing Next Door probably wasn't your first attempt at making something because it was very professional. So uh, after seeing Be Kind Rewind, what was sort of the first thing you did to, you know, come up with or even create your own film? What What was the journey from there for you? Yeah, so my first ever film was a zombie movie called Day of the Dead, which is not an original title whatsoever because <laughs> it is a Day of the Dead film. It's, it's one of the George film. A. Romero ones. Isn't yeah, it? the third <laughs> film in the George Romero zombie trilogy, Dawn, uh, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and then Day of the Dead, which is actually my favourite out of the three. But yep. I actually didn't know that the film existed when I made it. So uh, okay. I thought I would come out with this great title, this <laughs> avant-garde yep. uh, zombie classic. It was like 10 minutes long, filmed in one day and edited that night. Fantastic. And it was awful. <laughs> it was so, so bad. <laughs> but I got all my friends together and we just made this zombie movie with fake awesome. guns, fake like prosthetics, um, cool. fake yep. blood, um, yep. filmed on this tiny little like pocket camera with a tripod, all the takes were like wide angle, no <laughs> whatsoever, no sound effects or some sound effects, um, terrible. But anyway, super fun. <laughs> and after that, I was addicted. I was just like making short film after short film, action films, zombie films, horror films, comedies, me playing Classic. characters. Yeah. But that was like the, the spark. And I think Be Kind Rewind kind of like lit that fire underneath me. So cool. Yeah. And I guess every generation has a film that inspires young, you know, independent or amateur filmmakers to pick up a camera and, you know, get out there. And in the 90s, you know, I, I grew up as a teen in the 90s and I was thinking about filmmaking and, you know, I finally settled on writing and script writing, not sort of behind the camera. But for me, it was like... Um, Pulp Fiction was, which was not Quentin Tarantino's first film; it was his second film, but it was the as a director. But it was the first film of his that I saw, and it absolutely blew me away in the fact that it was so low budget and simple. Um, and another one that stands out is is Clerks uh, by Kevin Smith, who who filmed that while he was working in the convenience store, and then yeah. you know the the rest is history and stuff. So it's interesting that for you and your generation, it's be kind rewind, and I think. The film came out at an interesting time where um, DVDs were around and starting to replace uh, videos and the video stores were starting to slowly drop off. And do you, what's your memory of video stores? Because they, I mean, you, I guess you had access to them for a while before they all sort of yeah. disappeared. But what was sort of your uh, experience of video stores? So I, obviously I'm very young, so I kind of missed out on the, the boom of the VHS era. Yep. I still have a very fond memory of going to video stores though, because I live in the I lived in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne and there was many like Blockbuster, Video Easy, uh, video stores around. And I'd go there, I'd look at the DVD covers, which is probably what started my fascination with movie posters and just like the art of movies. I would look at the covers, read the blurbs on the back borrow the dvd or buy like a pre-owned copy yeah. and then start like devouring the behind the scenes content yeah. because there's just like in this um insatiable like thirst to know like how the film was made and if i was too scared to watch the film 
I would watch the behind the scenes before I've watched the actual film. So I know like, <laughs> how it was made or like what all the scary parts would be. Yeah, just to kind of desensitize yourself yeah. a bit to the to the horror. But yeah. I can still remember there's like a very visceral memory of like the smell of the video stores I went to. Like they always had like this sweet smell to them or like a popcorn smell that is just like ingrained in my DNA now. And I actually really miss the act of going to a video store and Absolutely. exploring, looking through it, even mm. finding video games. I also found video games through through video stores as well. Yep. There's just something about that that you just don't get with streaming that I think I, the streaming is very convenient. I love mm -hmm. it to bits, but there's something yep. about it that feels quite special. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny because when the DVD uh, explosion started, it was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I can yeah. pause, I can skip scenes, I can I can yeah. go back without rewinding. There's all the bonus content. And then it seemed VHS seemed sort of obsolete. And mm. DVDs kept video stores going for a while because obviously they switched to video. But then um, piracy really affected um, mm. people going to the movies. And that's addressed in this film um, yeah. where when they start making these films, Jack Black and Moe's Def, some... Um, uh, intellectual property people show up and, yes. and crush the party, don't they? Yeah, the real thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so it was a, it was definitely a thing, you know. And I think my observations, having you know grown up with video stores, VHS, DVD, streaming, even the early days of Netflix, where you would get the DVD sent to you, <laughs> and now streaming, you're right. And I was talking about someone else with this recently, where it is really convenient to hop on your phone or your laptop or your tablet or your TV and pick up wherever you left off with your film and watch it across multiple devices and times of day. But something about getting into the car or walking down to the video store, wandering up and down the aisles, looking at the spines of the videos and picking only five for the week that you could yeah. take home. Um, yeah, that's missed. And I think there's the, that nostalgia is sort of coming back. You've got people like collecting VHS tapes now and stuff. So yeah. Do you think we could maybe see the return of the video store in, in some way or is, is streaming just too dominant? Well, you're I think so. I don't yeah. think VHS is coming back as a format. I think we've moved beyond that point as a society. I'm fine with the quality of what we have. I think there's just the act of community and the place. It's like the physical act of going somewhere to experience that that I don't think will ever go away in, in its entirety. It's like going to a bookstore. Yeah. The same thing can be said about books. Absolutely. There's a rise of audiobooks, Kindle, but there's still that need for that uh, tactile feel of holding a physical book in your hands. Absolutely. I feel like there's an element of that. Even vinyl, like vinyl has made a comeback. That's so, it, yeah. Vinyl's made a comeback. Maybe VHS will make a comeback and people will be, you know, selling a, a 1996 VHS copy of Independence Day for like a thousand bucks, you know, like yeah. <laughs> you never know. Um, I think if I had a look around, I've probably still got a couple of old VHS tapes. I've got one behind me here, which you can't see, which is uh, of um, Freddy's Dead, the sixth Nightmare on Elm Street oh, yeah. film. And it, the, the flap that opens, it has like his claw mark on it and stuff. That's and cool. I'm hanging on to that because that, that'll be worth something one day. But um, <laughs> well, that's yeah, look, cool thing. Like it's the art, it's the art of it. Like that's really? what people. Are probably missing it's actually physically holding something and you just For don't sure. have that streaming 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there is movie memorabilia and obviously you've got a lot behind you there. And I know you've got some to uh, to talk about with your next couple of films as well. So we'll we'll come to that. But just just lastly on this film before we move on, is there like out of all the films that the characters uh, recreate, would you say there's one that's your favourite or, or a standout scene in the movie for you? It's been a really, really long time since I've seen this film. I'd say the stuff with Ghostbusters sticks out in my mind. I think that's the main one that they really focus yep. on. But Definitely. it's just something about seeing them in, like, really dodgy costumes. Yep. They've got the ghost, the, like, tinsel on string uh, with the rod. <laughs> like, yep. That's something I can do. Like, that's why it excites me because I love that DIY energy of, just grabbing random stuff and creating the illusion of something. It's like a magic trick. You can show sure. it like and then that yep. makes it really endearing and makes it compelling. A hundred percent. And you know what? It's how every filmmaker started, you know, exactly. and, if, and if you look online, I think you can find the, the very early works of Spielberg. And, and recently yeah. there was a film about his childhood, the Fablemans, where it shows you how he, how he yeah. made his film. So that's definitely worth a watch. And then you have some directors who uh, who started off making really bad amateur films and never got out of that. You may have heard yeah. of Edward D. Wood Jr., yes. and, uh, who yes. made yes. Plan 9 from Outer Space. And I love that film. Glenn and Glenda. It. And, yeah. It's like it wears its heart on its sleeve. 100%. It's not trying to be perfect. It's just no. making, it's like scrappy. It's like, yep. I'm going to make this film. This is my vision. And I don't have the budget to make it a masterpiece but i'm gonna make it because i'm gonna make it and that's it and then, and, then, well, and there was a time when we knew we were watching a film and we could tell it was special effects yeah. and we, we looked past that and we used our imagination and we were like yeah. okay i'm going to pretend that that's really a line these days special effects are so seamless you're like is this actually happening you know like yeah. in, in the revenant where leonardo dicaprio gets attacked by the bear so yeah. realistic but when you look at the special effects it's just a couple of guys pulling him around but yeah. these days it's like you don't have to use your imagination i feel that's yeah. something that's a little bit lost as well and i think yeah, this yeah. film really captures that really well about two guys just and their love of their love of film and trying to preserve that before yeah. it goes away completely so awesome choice yeah well cool we um we might change tack now marcus if that's all right and i'd, I'd love to come to your your favorite film of all time um now hard choice Good i know question. i've got a top 10 and then i realized i had a second top 10 so i've actually got like 20 favorite films of all time <laughs> there's probably three that are like have equal first for me but um what is that film for you that you're going to talk about today look i really had to rack my brain to think of this because as you said there's like list upon list of different favorite films it's like what genre are you talking about? What year are you talking about? What decade? For me, the film that I always come back to and one that has a really meaningful place in my heart is The Goonies. Yeah. <laughs> I love the it. Good the enough. Goonies strikes again. Oh, 
<laughs> the Goonies are good enough to be my favorite film. Uh, so 1985, directed by Richard Donner, who famously directed Superman and The Omen. And The Omen is a fantastic horror film. I think it comes close to The Exorcist in a lot of ways. Um, not to start an argument between the two. Uh, I think <laughs> That'll be our next podcast chat next week. I know. There'll be, there'll be like fists flying. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a while that Richard Donner can go from the Goonies to Superman to the Omen all in one go. That's pretty crazy. But then Steven Spielberg is also attached to the film, mm-hmm. mainly for the story, but I feel like he gets a lot of the credit for the film's success, even though he didn't actually direct the film. No. I think it he, was, to... he was everywhere in the eighties, wasn't he? Like he was, yeah. he was executive producer. He was, he's, his name yeah. was on the poster because it was, it could put yeah. bums on seats. So yeah, it's like Guillermo del Toro now. It, yep. You slap, get presented by Guillermo del Toro, and then it sells all these tickets, even though he might only have a little bit of involvement. Yeah, even though he's one of my favorite directors. Yeah, still. Um, but the film is incredible. It spawns so many amazing actors out of it. Sean Astin. Uh, Josh Brolin, Corey Feldman, uh, Kei Kwan, Kerry uh, Green and Martha Plimpton, just perfect cast, all really likable characters and incredible writing, the perfect mix of humour, dark, darkness for a kid's movie, yes. something perfect for adults, but also just enough lightness to welcome kids and enough wonder to take you on an adventure that kind of whisks you away from reality for an hour and 45 minutes and yeah, takes you on this adventure that, I don't know, there's not many films that make me feel that sense of wonder and excitement, even as a child and now as an adult, th- that those experiences are slowly like becoming less and less. There's other films like Ray's Lost Ark that I think really capture that same feeling for me. And then there's other films that ca- kind of have similar qualities like Stand By Me yep. or, or um, uh, The Adventures of Tintin was another modern one. Oh, yeah. Feeling like that. Which, I liked that film. That was cool. Yeah. I actually think this is a bit another controversial view that The Adventures of Tintin is a better Indiana Jones film than The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And <laughs> I like that. Thing. I, I, I kind of agree with you, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's the best. But yeah, For sure. And look, you're right. The way that it catches childhood and adventure and being with your mates, and you know, it comes from the '80s, which is now, you know, the '80s is so nostalgic and it's it's everywhere. And we all wish yeah. we could be back in the '80s and not in current times. And yeah. and look, it was the best decade for kids' films. It was really the first decade of kids' films because. Yeah. You know, they didn't really make movies for kids or about kids prior to the 80s, right? But what happened is you had all the baby boomers were having kids in the 70s and 80s. So here you've got all these kids um, and the expansion of suburbia and, you know, there was no mobile phones, there was no internet, there was kids on their bikes going off and exploring the world and it really captures that. Now, I do have to remind our viewers if they haven't noticed already, you're a young man how did you discover the Goonies? It's way before your time. <laughs> it is way before my time. I missed out on the 80s. I I can put on my fake nostalgia glasses, uh, but I never lived the 80s experience. I never rode a bike uh, in Astoria, Oregon. <laughs> in the 80s. Uh, but I You have ridden a bike though, right? I have, yes. Yeah, just not I in Astoria, Oregon. Yes, I can ride a bike. 
yeah, so my parents introduced me to the Goonies, um, awesome. as any, any good parent would. Of course. And yep. they, as I said before, they were pretty relaxed with what they let me watch. So I probably watched it at a very young age. Mm. But I remember seeing it and I don't know what it was about it exactly. I think it was just this sense of wonder. I think it's like every little kid's dream to go on this like adventure of a lifetime, discover something in a familiar place that feels boring. And go on a treasure hunt. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I would love that if I opened up a cupboard and there was a there was a treasure map and I get to go off on an adventure. That that sense of wonder and of the unknown is something that I really crave and something that I'm constantly searching for. And this film really gives me that. And it gave me that as a child because it's so it's so much fun to watch this film. Oh, it's just a it's a great time, you know, and it's the the energy of the cast and the young actors have such great chemistry together. And, you know, the uh, what really stood out for me, because I watched a a lot as a kid and then I kind of forgot about it and rediscovered it again in my late teens once I was able to rent videos by myself. Um, And what stuck with me in my memory of it was was the music. I think the music in this film is absolutely awesome in every way. From the adventure chase music to the uh, the mysterious music when he's looking at the map, yes. yeah, and and visually or you know, uh, what other aspect of the film visually or in terms of how it's made stands out for you? Like, what what really draws you back to it in, in terms of that? Everything. I mean, mm. the writing I think is so strong in the Goonies. I think that it really it's so witty and so sharp in the dialogue. It's just rapid fire banter between kids and it doesn't feel forced and it there's not many films that make me really like laugh out loud and this is a film that doesn't matter how many times I've seen it it still makes me laugh with how funny it is it's so dry in at times and I think of the scene where uh Chunk is getting interrogated by the Fratellis (laughs) and his his hand into the blender and he's like pouring out his like deepest darkest secrets <laughs> yeah yeah it's going on for about 20 minutes here there's another scene well there's two scenes that really like really move me there's the scene where they find the treasure map and there's this like sense of wonder and they're like about to go on their epic quest to find one-eyed willie's treasure and then there's the scene where they actually do find one-eyed willie spoiler and <laughs> Mikey, played by Sean Astin, has this beautiful moment with One Eye Willie, just like sharing like this tender moment of like being a outsider, being um, a misfit, and being joined by his friend shortly after. I don't yep. know what it is. The music swells. It's just really beautiful. It's it like is. a moment. Absolutely, it's it's a beautifully made film. It's really polished. It's like it has kind of a blockbuster sense about it, you know, especially as when it picks up the pace and they go deeper into the cave network and they discover the ship. And, you know, obviously you've got Richard Donner who directed Superman and, and Spielberg kind of giving some inspiration. So it it's, you know, it's a film that all ages can watch, I find, you know, it's great to introduce to new younger generations as well. And, um, you know, it takes us back to that time, you know, that we all wish we could all go back and relive or live if we hadn't lived it before. And, that's why we're seeing it revisited in shows like Stranger Things and 
um yeah. you know the new the the new version of it that came out a few years back mm. which was set in the 80s as well captured that really well i thought um now i, I do have to mention that you've actually got some memorabilia from the film would you kindly share that with us <laughs> yeah so obviously i'm a massive dork and geek so <laughs> i love to collect memorabilia from films and the goonies being one of my favorite films ever i had to have something from it and luckily there are so many iconic props and paraphernalia from the film that are central to the story. So I have the uh, skull and bones here. The so cool. With the writing on the back. What does the writing so, on the back say? Can you remind me? Oh, it's it's in Spanish. I believe uh, it's like the year. You're really testing my memory here. <laughs> I should really like try and Google Lens that and like see if I can get it to read. I also have the doubloon that they use to find yep. the Fratelli house. That's right, where he's holding it up on the, on yeah, the coast. Another and... incredible moment where he's holding it up and the mountains line up. And then I also have the treasure map here, which I think is absolutely beautiful. I have something about treasure maps that I love. But wow, that's amazing. Yeah. It even has. The musical oh, the musical notes. notes on the back. It does. Oh, that, yeah. So this that is so cool. Shout out to the person that made this. His name's Relic Maker. He's on the Replica Prop Forum. So if you're awesome. looking for this stuff, uh, he sells it on there, and just incredible work, artistry. We'll, we'll share. Maybe we'll share a link to his uh, site uh, below the video and below sure. this episode for anyone who wants to check it out. Always happy to help another. You know, film memorabilia maker and get their stuff out there. So cool. And I can see behind you, you've got a bit of a collection of things. You've got a, a Stormtrooper helmet. You've got Jason's hockey mask. And, you know, it's just a, it's a movie buff's dream back there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like horror on this side and then sci-fi on this side. And then this is just like a free-for-all of monsters. And then there's actual monsters up here. Oh, cool. Fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Is this also the guest room? Like when you have people stay over, do they wake up in the middle of the night and see all this stuff? Look at them. <laughs> I think that would be pretty cruel to do that to someone. Just <laughs> Unless they're a movie lover, but if if they weren't expecting it, look, yeah. I don't think anyone wants to wake up and see Chucky looking down at them. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with that, but no, oh, this is my home office. Too. So <laughs> this is where I do all my designing. Uh, this is where I do uh, just like my general creative work. And yep. then I also play the drums in here and just geek out. So fantastic! It's where the magic happens. Awesome! You got to have you got to have that space. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm in that space as well. But what you can't see off camera is some some clothes rack drying all of our kids' clothes because it's raining outside. Oh, but that's okay. Right. It's a it's a multi purpose room. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, for those who've been living under a rock, you've just heard about the Goonies. If you haven't seen it, get out there, find a copy, right. watch okay. it. You'll never unwatch it again. It's just a film you keep coming back to. If it's on TV, I'll stop what I'm doing and I'm watching it, even though I have it on DVD and I've seen it more times than I can count. And I'm sure you're pretty much the same as well. But it's yeah. just one of those films. It's like you can't not like it. There's something in it for everybody. And, yeah, it just uh, it's a classic. So always great to talk about The Goonies, you know, never, never a dull moment. So... Now let's come to your last film, and this one's a, a biggie, I'm pretty sure, from what you've shared with me. And this is the film that you feel everyone needs to see at least once in their lifetime. Um, so this makes people think of, you know, the classics like 
the Godfather, and we've had Citizen Kane on the show talked about Casablanca, Apocalypse Now, all those kind. Of, and look, at, it might sound like cliches, but those films are classics for a reason. Um, so yeah, please tell us, Marcus, what is this film that everyone must see in their life sooner rather than later? Yeah, I mean they're all great picks, but my top pick for a film that everyone should see is Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. released in 1969 uh eight years before star wars i think this is a big big factor to consider when thinking of modern sci-fi uh starring keir julia and gary lockwood both incredible in the film i really believe that 2001 a space odyssey is stanley kubrick's magnum opus it's his best film by far and i actually think it's the greatest sci-fi film of all time I don't think it's ever been topped. As much as I'm a sci-fi nerd, I love Star Wars. I love the sci-fi genre, especially from the 70s. I feel like it peaked at 1969 with 2001 A Space Odyssey. And I still believe it has the best practical effects in any film ever. I just don't think that it has ever been touched. And I will continue to defend this film until the day I die. (laughs) Right, and and for those who are, are not familiar with the film, and look, sci- sci-fi is not everybody's cup of tea. Um, I, I'm aware of this film and its influence, but you know, the film buff community will kill me because I've never actually seen it. Um, but you know, it is on my list. I've, I have discovered some of the classics recently. I've been working my way through, and I'll get to it. Uh, but yeah, just quickly summarize what what is it actually about? That's a tough question. It is. <laughs> very long and very uh, large sprawling epic of a film so the film actually takes place across thousands of years so it's kind of split into three distinct sections there is the dawn of man which kind of chronicles uh the evolution of humans uh into cave people or not even to cave people just to primitive apes then there's this famous jump cut uh, switching from the bone flying into the air to the spaceship, which is the future. And basically that has the battle between hum- humanity and AI at the heart of the story. So what does it mean to be human? How does artificial intelligence interact with humanity? Which I think is really relevant with uh, today's society. And absolutely. then the final part of the film is the Stargate sequence, which kind of takes you beyond humanity and into the next stage of human evolution. So there's three distinct sections, each with their own beautiful poetic message that comes through, incredible imagery, iconic moments, and I just love the film to bits. I've seen it many, many times. I've shown it to people. People either love it or they fall asleep. It's like no in between. You either love it or you're going to fall asleep. Absolutely. And I imagine it's a film that each time you see it, you 
you uh, notice something different, you absorb more yeah. of it because it is so so dense and so complex. And based on a novel as well, can you who wrote yeah. the novel? Can you remind us? Arthur C. Clarke. Arthur C. Clarke, right? I knew, yeah, and he was one of the sci-fi guys. Yeah, way ahead of its time. I mean, nineteenth. The book. Do you know when the book was released? Was it been fifties, oh. maybe early sixties? I think it might have been 1960s. Right. It probably would have been around the same time as Frank Herbert's Dune. So right. I recently read the first two Dune novels. I yep. know I say Dune really weird. Don't don't mock me. Um, <laughs> but they're incredible books. And Dune actually inspired Star Wars and probably inspired 2001 as well. I don't know. I don't know which one came first, the chicken or the egg, but. Yeah, and there. there's a lot of debate that Star Wars is just um, the Lord of the Rings in space. You know that George Lucas basically just mm-hmm. ripped off the art of the trilogy. And um, but anyway, that's another conversation. There's definitely yeah, some okay. similarities. We're not going to open that can of worms here. No, no, no. I think we'll schedule another conversation for that. But um, <laughs> but you know, podcast. yeah, films. You know, films. Good films always spark debate and conversation. So, and, and just coming back to when the film. I guess the book was conceived by its author, made as a film in 1969, and Kubrick was ahead of his time and ahead of every other filmmaker who's preceded yeah. him ever since. I think he he had a, a vision of of humanity and people that we we still struggle to understand, and mm. the kind of stories and characters he focused on, who you either despised, like a Clockwork Orange, yeah. or who characters who you put up sort of up, up on this pedestal or uh, characters that we didn't really understand their motivations. And you look at things like The Shining and Eyes Wide Shut and, you know, such a distinct range of films he made and sadly yeah. passed away well before his, before his time. And um, and a little interesting fact I found out was one of my favourite Spielberg films is AI, Artificial Intelligence, yes, which was yeah, released film. in 2001. And that was meant to be Kubrick's next film after yeah. uh, Eyes Wide Shut. And I think he'd started developing it. Um, yeah. And then suddenly passed away. And if you watch the film, the first half is very Kubrickian, and then the second half is is a Spielberg film. And a lot yeah. of people didn't quite like that. But like you said, um, any anything that was made in the past around AI is these are the films people are going to be going back to now because of the acceleration of AI. So, given you've seen this film so many times, I'm sure you've got some thoughts on on AI. And if we can maybe just jump to that topic for a minute and. Do you, are you excited about where AI is going at the moment? Are you concerned? Like, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a really complicated topic because I feel like there is a lot of benefits to come with AI and the development of it. I think the rate that we're developing and moving towards AI as a replacement for human creativity, especially in creative fields, I have a big problem with AI yeah, I'm fine with it being used as a tool to assist the artists. I think when it replaces human creativity and human uh, jobs is when it becomes a really complicated issue. But I think that AI can be used as a real tool to benefit humanity. But I think we're moving at such a rate that we're bypassing caution and we're really going beyond what probably is reasonable in such a short amount of time. Yep. It's dangerous. It's 100%. Really territory. It is. <laughs> no one has the answer. No. The only way we're going to find out is by going there. And I worry that we go there too soon. Yeah. And I think this happened 
a little over 10 years ago with the explosion of social media, you know, and, and how that changed the way we interact. And, and Yeah. that's had some benefits. It's helped people reconnect with people who they've lost contact with, form groups. Um, but then also it's had a very negative impact on, on society. And I think, you know, history tends to repeat itself. You know, we're always looking for that next big thing and that next exciting innovation or development. But when it comes to technology and, and you know, human character and potential, the technology of, often moves faster, even though it's made by us, which is a bit of a <laughs> irony in itself. But, yeah, I think um, we might, if we can talk about it just briefly, I think we have to sort of observe, not get too caught up in it, and just remember that at the end of the day, technology can't be replaced by human connection, things like moral judgment, instinct that we have that, Technology Mm. Yeah. will never, will never have as Well, smart this as is it the is, thing, and will never. this is the scariest part about AI is this is the one that can potentially replace in some form, not fully, not ever, but it is the one thing that is quite scary because AI is artificial intelligence. It is meant to gain some sort of consciousness at some point. And the further we go down that path, the lines become very blurry between what is human and what is machine. And I feel like there hasn't been any technology in the past that has attempted that merge. And that's why I think it's very scary, the rate that we're moving, because there's already such a gray, gray period between like what is real, what is fake, what's a deep fake, what's real footage, uh, what's real audio, what's fake audio, it just really blurs the lines. And I feel like Mm -hmm. it would have really interesting consequences five years down the track. Even one year down the track, it will be wildly different to where we are now. Even AI video, the rate that it moves, it's just, it might not look good now. Give it 12 months, we'll be in a different place. Yep. Well, we won't be able to tell the difference, will we? Yeah. And, and films like 2001 obviously predicted that this was where we were heading and other Yes. films touched on it, like obviously the Terminator franchise with, with the rise of Skynet and people always joke saying, oh, it's Skynet now. Skynet's coming to get us. We're going to have Terminators coming back from the future and stuff. But just coming back to your film for a bit, 2001, um, I guess apart from the, you know, the grandness of the film and its impact, um, what else can you take away from that film? Like what, what will people get out of it? Like, a stronger sense of what it means to be human? Will they start questioning everything? Like what, what else really is really sort Yeah. of, you know, integral about it? I I see 2001 A Space Odyssey as a religious experience, something where you watch it and it's like you're going to the church of Kubrick and you're seeing like this very uh, distinct vision of where humanity is going and where it came from. There isn't many films where I'd use that word where it's like this transcending experience of watching it. There's a few films that come to mind. Uh, the Devils from 1971, directed by Ken Russell, is another one where it's this incredible, uh, really distinct vision about religion itself. Memoria is another one that's more recent from 2021 with Tilda Swinton. And that one I described as like 2001, but focused on sound. is a very strange film, Okay. very, very much worth watching. But I think Awesome. people that, the reason that people should watch 2001 is that I think you'll just leave 
with a new view on the themes that it explores. And I think that if you're receptive to it, it will take you on a trip. The tagline for the film was the ultimate trip for a reason, because it is like taking a psychedelic drug without actually taking it. If you do that <laughs> as well, I don't know what's going to happen to you, but you're not going to come out the same, i tell you that. Yeah, I'm sure many people have done that and could probably comment. Um, yes. feel, feel free to share experiences with us if you're listening. <laughs> wow. Well, um, amazing, Marcus. Like, it's I, I was aware of the, uh, you know, the impact of that film, but the way you've described it now and so, like, eloquently and with so much passion, I'm really inspired to go and watch it now. And um, and I will. Uh, you know, I'm on a bit of a break now from work, so I will check it out over the, over the fortnight and um, I'll let you know. I'll let you know my thoughts. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, three very different and distinct films. Um, we all, most people know The Goonies. Some have probably heard of 2001. It's like, oh, it's one of the classics, but never thought about sitting down to watch it. And many people may not have never heard of Be Kind Rewind. You know, it was a small film that came out, small budget, had Jack Black in it, who was pretty big in the early 2000s. Uh, but I don't think it made a huge dint on the on the film scene, but it's definitely worth a watch for anyone who wants to revisit that time when we transitioned from video to DVD and maybe we'll see a similar film now about the transition from DVD to streaming, which, which could be interesting. So, um, yeah. And just, just to sort of wrap up, mate, any films you've, any other films you've seen recently or about to watch, um, that you could recommend or, uh, whether they're connected to these films or something completely different. Cause obviously you are a movie lover through and through people listening and watching this right now would, would come to you and ask you for movie recommendations i'm sure so yeah what what are you watching or about to watch can you tell us the last film i watched was triangle of sadness oh right right which i enjoyed i i think that it's the kind of film you would want to watch with a big crowd because <laughs> there's a lot of really bombastic moments that would elicit a lot of crowd reaction i also saw portrait of a lady on fire which is a beautiful uh, film, like a queer romance between two women. Absolutely beautiful. One of the most beautiful films I've seen in a long time. Wow. And then I also watched Smile. Uh, uh, yes. Movie, uh, that came out last year yeah. with uh, uh, Sosie Bacon, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Bacon's daughter. That was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. It was actually really I liked fun. that. I thought that was a very effective horror film, yeah. Yeah, it really like, yep. subverts your expectations at times because mm-hmm. it leans into the cliche of horror movies and then it subverts your expectations at the last second, which I appreciate. And I'm always down for yep. a great horror movie. Surprisingly, none of my picks were horror movies, even though I'm a horror movie fanatic. <laughs> I tried yep. to pick films that fit the, fit the bill. Um, but if you haven't seen The Shining from Kubrick, that's my favourite horror movie of all time. I'm a massive yeah. Kubrick fan. Um, but, yeah, just go out and see the movies, any movie. Just go out and see movies. Oh, and Across the Spider-Verse. I just saw that too. Oh, right, the, the Spider-Man animation stuff, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, if you like yeah I've, I've only heard good things about that. So if you like animation. I've on those like films Spider-Man. myself, but, yeah, I've heard good things. Okay. Yeah, so, so awesome. Awesome. Well, at the time of this recording, we're in late June of 2023, so um, big Hollywood blockbuster season is upon us. So obviously we've yeah. just had Fast and Furious Part 27, um, I think, come out. <laughs> we've got the next Indiana Jones coming out, which I'll go see purely for nostalgia. I grew up on Indiana Jones. 
so yeah, so um, that's my recommendations of what I'm seeing. But, you know, um, unfortunately, the podcast episodes must come to an end, although our conversation will never end. You know, we, we'll come back to these movie chats time and time again. But in terms of being a guest on My Movie Story, Marcus, it's been great having you, mate. Um, a real pleasure to uh, hear from someone with such a passion for film and filmmaking as well. And uh, someone of such a young age having such a wide knowledge of films from different eras. And I think that's great. And, you know, I'm sure you count yourself quite lucky to have uh, parents who introduce you to these films. And myself having older siblings, that's how I discovered a lot of films as well. Uh, and then it was once I got that video card, I was at Blockbuster every week renting whatever caught my interest. And so, yeah, so um, it's great to have that introduction to, to movies and, and that appreciation, which you definitely have. So, so thank you very much, uh, Marcus. Uh, thank you also those who have tuned in and listening. If this is your first time or, or uh, you're a repeat viewer or listener, thank you for your company and joining us on my movie story. Can check out links to Marcus's Instagram and YouTube page just below the uh, the link, the video or audio episode that you're listening or watching to. We'll make sure we'll give the uh, guy who made the Goonies stuff a bit of a mention as well. Um, so thanks for listening, uh, Marcus. Thanks very much, and uh, enjoy the movies. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. All right. Take care.